for us, what it came down to was the fact that if somebody was saying that it was hurtful to them, then that was enough. That was all we needed. Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. For the last decade, Heather Gardner has been a leader in the Toronto running and fitness communities. A marathoner, yoga teacher, and indoor cycling instructor, she is on a mission to share her passion for movement, guided by the values of inclusion and body positivity. Four years ago, Heather opened her own studio under the name Tribe and increased her already substantial following. But in the spring, criticism of this name and its hurtful implications for Indigenous communities led her to reflect and ultimately change the name of her business. I chatted with Heather last week about her commitment to her communities and to doing right by them. Heather, thank you so much for joining us on the ShakeOut podcast today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kate. We're so excited that you joined us. So you went through a major rebrand a few weeks ago, changing your company's name from Tribe to Cardia. And I definitely want to get into that transition and talk with you about it. But to start, I'd love for our audience to get to know you better. Uh, You're a Hamilton gal who moved to Toronto, I believe, just over a decade ago. And I know that fitness and running in particular have been a big part of your life for many years. So can you start by telling us about your own athletic background and your passion for movement and community? Sure. So I, as you said, moved to Toronto 10 years ago. I actually was an elementary school teacher in Hamilton and I taught health and phys ed. And then I became a curriculum consultant. So essentially moved from the physical activity in the gym, moving around with kids, active, you know, eight hours a day to sitting at a desk. (laughs) And my body did not love that. That was not something that was feeling good. And I thought, you know what, I need to get a personal trainer. So I connected with this woman at the gym that I was connected with. And she suggested that we set some goals, which, you know, any, any great personal trainer will do. And we hopped on the treadmill and we were just walking. Cause at that point, I certainly would not consider myself a runner. I hadn't really run at all, but I had this love for New York. And so during a walking warm-up, said, I want to run the New York City Marathon. This was actually in 2009. And so not only did I want to run it by myself, but I declared that I was going to run it with my sister because, you know, setting goals for other people um, <laughs> works really well. Um, she was actually into it. So that was really great. And so I went from this desk job to training for my first marathon. I had no clue at the time how to even get into the New York City Marathon, how any of that process worked. Um, I had never even run 5K before, but with my trainer, I set that goal. It took me two years, but then we did it, my sister and I. Heather and her husband, Mark, moved to Toronto that year so that she could consult on the revised health and phys ed curriculum. She went from a strong running community in Hamilton to training by herself in a new city. Seeking community became a big focus, and Heather eventually found it at the Lululemon, where she would end most of her runs. And so after I finished the New York City Marathon in 2010, I was hanging around that store, and they actually asked me to be one of the first run ambassadors in Toronto. 
So this was actually at this point now, um, 2011. So we went from not doing any running at all to my first marathon to then working with Lululemon to develop what we know now as the run to community. Around this time, I was also working as an indoor cycling instructor. So I was teaching indoor cycling at a studio here in Toronto and really came back to fitness and the idea of opening my own studio and doing something for myself had never been anything that I had ever even considered, but being kind of engulfed in this community that was supportive and female driven really made me feel like this was something that I could do. Cause again, it was 2011. So boutique fitness was nothing that it it is right now. Um, A lot of the gyms that were around, especially where I was in Hamilton were like the big box gyms. So you didn't see female entrepreneurs opening their own business and opening their own gym. But when I came here to Toronto, that was what I saw. So I was able to meet with people and then through the support of businesses like Lululemon, I was able to really to see and have confidence in myself that, you know, maybe this is something that I could do as well. You mentioned that boutique fitness at the time wasn't what it is like now, but my understanding is that the run crew community was also not what it is now. And we know, you know, not only in Toronto and Ontario, but across the country, the run crew scene and sort of that grassroots, really organic coming together of runners has taken off. And I'd say that's kind of almost the norm now. But at the time, it sounds like that wasn't necessarily the case. Can you talk about what the run crew scene was like at the time and how you evolved with that over the years? Sure. So again, in 2011, I was leading free runs out of the Queen Street Lululemon. And around the same time, we started to hear about this um, free crew that was meeting up out of this coffee shop called Mascot. Um, And then, of course, for anyone who's listening and knows Toronto Run Crew history, I'm talking about Parkdale. So Parkdale Roadrunners... um, originated as mascot wearing their I'd rather be smoking shirts. So this was again at the very, very beginning of the crew scene. Um, There was nobody else doing free meetup runs at the time, um, at least not non-businesses. So there were obviously free groups at, you know, places like the running room and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about crews. So through my time at Lululemon, it really came evident the importance of people feeling included people feeling accepted um, and just being seen. So people would show up for runs. We would have a conversation and there was always that idea of, okay, I'll see you next week. And you would want to go back because you'd want to hear about the wedding that somebody was, you know, going to or the thing that they had at their work. So I was watching these relationships authentically build around running and around inclusion and around acceptance My time at Lululemon finished after three years, but I knew I wasn't done. So I sat down with my husband and I was just thinking like, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, pull people together. I want to build community around fitness. And so like I had mentioned earlier, I um, was teaching indoor cycling. I had my yoga certification, but it was November. And so we thought, what, what's something that we can do right now? We can run. 
Heather sent out a tweet inviting anyone who followed her to go for a run. She chose an iconic Toronto landmark as the meetup spot, a giant red canoe at the top of a hill in the heart of downtown. And somewhat to her surprise, people showed up. But Heather couldn't have anticipated that that one tweet and that first run would set her on an entirely new and thrilling path. I remember going to bed and for some reason I had left my phone on and my phone's in the living room and it's just going off and going off and my husband's like who is messaging you and I had 70 alerts from Twitter from people who had been at the run or invited people you know and then invited people to the run or had seen the run and had questions and they wanted to join and really from that moment it was just something bigger than just you know, little me sending out my tweet. It was, you know, this community that was evolving and that was growing. And it's literally nothing was ever the same after that. And I think that's what kind of connected, um, you know, people to us. So again, I talked a little bit about, you know, Parkdale being there. Um, In terms of other run crews, it became, you know, the original three being Parkdale night terrors and tribe and night terrors and tribe we started around the same time almost to like a similar month you've mentioned in other interviews that you i I believe consider yourself and are probably widely considered to sort of be the first female-led female-founded run crew in the city i mean there were only the three of you and you had this background with lulu and with hamilton but you came to toronto and it sounds like you really you know took off was what was that like as a, as a woman leading a run crew? And were most of your community members that were running with you, were they also women? Yeah, so we definitely have a larger female population in our community or people who identify as female. I feel like that whole idea of inclusion and acceptance, um, non-competition, I feel like people feel safe. They see our Instagram or at the time they would see our Twitter feed, they would see our Facebook, and they would see photos of people who they could identify with. Mm -hmm. So they would look at the pictures and see that there were different body shapes and see that there were different skin colors. And they would just see that there was such a unique, diverse group of people that, you know, in my opinion, really let people feel that they had a place where they could belong. So can you tell us about the evolution then of this really like, I mean, kind of the epitome of grassroots, organic organizing just around the love of running and the love of community and inclusion into what eventually became your very, very successful business of Tribe Now Cardia? Sure. So after that kind of initial season, as I mentioned, I um, had a my yoga teacher training. And so during the summertime, we thought that we would expand a little bit more um, in the different free things that we offered and we would do some park yoga. So my, one of my personal beliefs in terms of fitness really is that holistic approach. Um, it's certainly more traditional, but looking at, you know, not working solely in one domain and making sure that you're working on your, you know, muscular strength, muscular endurance, cardiorespiratory endurance, flexibility, the, the full package. So we then um, started to offer free yoga again here, City Place. And a similar experience that we had on Twitter, we then had on Facebook. So we would create Facebook events. And by the third week, 
we had over 300 people respond to this park yoga class that I was going to teach. And again, it was the same idea where people saw this, you know, free thing. They saw this community and they wanted to be a part of it. And it was actually the same time as CanFit Pro. So I was at the Canadian Fitness Professional Conference here in Toronto. And I'm attending these workshops and watching this Facebook event just, you know, blow up in terms of the attendance. And I really felt like that high school kid whose party just kind of like goes wild. And so all these people, I thought, how how are we going to have 300 people in this park? And it is a big park, but our permit was only for 25. So that was like another problem. And, you know, the, we were kind of running it. We, we had speakers, we had microphones. So we knew that, you know, d- depending on how many people showed up, we, we would be okay. But um, it was absolutely wild. In the end, we had 160 people. So we had waivers. We um, got members of our run crew to help in terms of um, making sure everyone had a waiver signed and all that kind of stuff. And but again, this, you know, free community thing that just went wild on its own. Um, that was, again, like six years ago. And we've continued on up until this summer. Um, we've worked with different partners. Most recently, um, we were at the Bentway, which is a community space underneath the Gardener last summer. And we would still average around, you know, between... 80 to 100 people every Sunday showing up for this free free yoga. And so how did that transition into your sort of bricks and mortar physical space? So what was really important to us was finding a physical space that could not only work as a hub for our community runs as well as our coached run program, but also for our yoga as well as our indoor cycling. So again, looking at um, fitness and wellness from that holistic perspective. So how can we physically have a space that would be able to encompass everything that we do as then tribe, now Cardia? We had done, before we opened the physical space, we had done over 500 free workouts. So it is important to note that I was working as a teacher. So a lot of people often ask, you know, how could you do that? All this stuff was for free. Well, I, I did have another job um, that I was working full time at the same time as doing all of this. And so we started to, through yoga, realize that, you know, if if this was something that we need to do by the time we opened, we would need to, you know, have people to share our message with. So it really became important to get people to connect with us um, either through social media or through an email newsletter. So we started doing monthly newsletters. We would do different theme runs and we just kind of collected this group of people, not only in person, um, but also digitally. Mm. So when it came time to look at a brick and mortar place, having a place that was in city place or close to this community that we originated from was really important. What ended up happening was I was just on the streetcar, just on the 510, which goes along the waterfront and then up Spadina. And as we were turning to, we were about maybe half a block away from city place. So for folks who don't know, city place is essentially north of the Gardener. And where 
uh, the studio is now located is south of the Gardner. So we're just one street away. So we turned on the streetcar and I was just looking around and the building that we are currently in, which could not have been more perfect as a running community, as just a physical space, was all wrapped up for lease. And I, as quickly as I could, got off the streetcar and pulled out my camera and just started taking tons of photos because I I knew that that had to be the space right along the Martin Goodman Trail. So it is the most ideal location for a running community. Um, The views out our windows, you can see the tall ships go by in the summer. You can see the CN Tower out the north window. It is, I'm just, clearly I love the space. It is absolutely everything that is Toronto to me. So we, we eventually found our home. After a challenging process of finding and securing their space, doing a major build-out, and learning a lot about how to manage a business, Heather and Mark officially opened their doors in November of 2016. So you've already touched on so many of these, Heather. I mean, you talked, you've used words like inclusive, um, accepting. You talked about providing so many services for free for so long, which is obviously part of your value system as well. Can you talk a little bit more about the key values of your business and how you reinforce and exhibit those on a regular basis? Sure. So, um, you know, some of the things that I picked up when I was working within the community at Lululemon I guess one of the most important things was just the importance of people feeling like they had been seen for people to know that they matter. Mm -hmm. So when people would show up for our runs, it was important for me as a run club leader to personally speak to every single person who showed up. Um, which is actually one of the principles that we have at the studio. So um, in opening you know, we obviously created a, a manual for our instructors, and that was is one of the guiding principles that um, every person who comes into the space is connected with personally. So it was really important for people to know that they are important to us and that they matter to us. Um, in terms of developing the physical space, we wanted the physical space to be inclusive. So what that meant for us was removing any um, gender barriers. So our showers are all single stall. Washrooms are single stall. Um, Change rooms are also non-gendered. So, you know, people don't have to make those decisions. They know when they can come in. They are accepted as they are. Um, We also don't use language like, hey, girls, hey, guys. Um, Everyone is, you know, at the time we used to say tribe. Now we say crew, um, folks, friends, team, addressing people in ways that are, you know, as a group, non-gendered, or how people would like to be addressed. So actually asking them. That sense of belonging is something that Cardia has very successfully cultivated. I attended a new name reveal event for the studio a few weeks ago and got the chance to speak with a couple of the members who have been with Heather the longest. They reinforced everything Heather just said about embodying these values. My name is Margarita. Uh, I've been with Cardia for two years now. Two years almost to the date. 
Uh, so I actually came here out of curiosity because I live nearby and I had class pass, so I was just trying out the studios in the area. And I came here and I just I felt welcome right away. And it doesn't have that really stuffy feeling that uh, some other studios I've been to in the city had. After I think three classes here, I ditched class pass completely and bought an unlimited monthly here. Um, what made me probably keep coming back is the inclusivity. There's never, um, we're never working out for weight loss. There's never shame talk or, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Let's work harder this weekend for those turkey pounds or after Christmas, like, you know, better get back in the gym, like New Year's resolution to get skinny or like, there's never any talk about body and I ideal body or it's very body positive environment and I find in fitness that is very difficult to find and that was that's like one of the reasons that I love this community so much um, and on top of that it is a community like people say that you can easily call like anything a community like good life fitness is a community or whatever but it really is like everyone knows each other by name almost uh, I run into the people on the streets and we stop and chat like Heather knows pretty much everything that's going on in my life and vice versa. So you really do get that personalized feeling that I think gets really lost, especially living in a big city. My name's Allison Maselli. I've been part of the Cardia family since 2014. And I moved downtown after graduating university and didn't have a community. And I actually met Heather and the ladies of Then Tribe at a Mecca event for yoga. And I was inspired. I was like, oh, there's these women and they have this like, they're coming to this event together and they run together, not a runner. And I reached out to Heather after the event. She's like, oh, we're doing a couch to 10K program, which I laughed at because fit, active person, not a runner. I signed up. I was like, worst thing, I hate running, but I meet some people and I learn the city. And I ran my first, so I signed up and we started in the end of June and I ran my first 10K that October. Uh, I then ran three half marathons the following year um, and actually was able to go to Seaweeds in Vancouver with Heather and the crew, which was a really cool experience because I also got to pace, which was a very wonderful opportunity that I'm grateful for. And then had actually started running to run triathlons. So have been doing triathlons for the last little while. And then recently in the pandemic have come back to running after about a year and a half off um, and it has probably been the best thing I could have done for like my mental and physical well-being and yeah I've been with with what is now Cardia ever since and it's just such an inclusive community of really awesome people and I think there's so many different fitness groups in Toronto but Heather really truly does welcome everyone of every age ability size wherever you are in your journey if you walk away from running for a bit and come back or you're doing triathlons or cycling and it's always just so nice to like see people from past, present, and future when we get together. Well, so one of the things, and you know, I spoke with a few of your members at your your name change reveal, and what really came across for me, and and especially the folks I was speaking with, was the focus on feeling good moving, as opposed to what we see so often in the fitness industry, which is you know, a, a conversation or a focus around weight loss or body image or getting ready for bikini season or any of these other sort of really um, image centered and dangerous 
uh, labels and goals. So that really came through for me. And I'm wondering if maybe you can talk to, talk a bit about why that's so important for your your business's values as well. We are absolutely a body positive space. So um, that is something that absolutely makes me cringe when it is, you know, around Thanksgiving or, you know, over the, the winter holidays and people talk about uh, just, you know, shedding the turkey weight or all that kind of stuff. And it, it just is not a positive, like your mental health, it is not body positive at all. It is not supportive. It is not inclusive. These are certainly things that we do not um, address at the studio because that's not how I approach fitness. It is all about coming to a space of, you know, moving for fun, moving for your health, um, looking at goals that are personal to you that you can accomplish. Certainly we connect to things like goals and somebody might have a goal that's related to um, their weight loss or body, but that's not a focus at Cardia. The focus at Cardia really is about community, togetherness, feeling like you're part of something. And we build that through a holistic approach to fitness. When um, I first opened and we, I remember coming to our first holiday and just messaging our staff to remind them that, you know, instructors, they promote their classes online and just giving them a gentle reminder that that is not language that we use. So, you know, please do not promote your class in that way. And here are alternative options and things that you can say instead. So you've already used this word in terms of how you would sort of address the group, but I'm wondering where the initial name tribe came from and what that embodied for you. Sure. So I knew, you know, the, the tagline of a fitness community, and I knew that I wanted to build a community and that community feeling through fitness. Really specifically, I was in a yoga class and we had already kind of done some naming and some brainstorming and that sort of thing. And I was lying in Shavasana and then it just, which is kind of the final pose where you're just lying on the ground. You're not really just lying on the ground, but that's physically what it looks like. And so I remember just the word tribe coming to me in that moment and just for me being connected to the aspect of community was what really pulled me to that word. So, um, you know, went home, Google tribe, community is the first word um, that came up. And so it really felt appropriate at the time um, that this was what our community would be called. So when starting off, uh, starting the run crew, I knew that eventually I wanted us to become um, a business in the studio of some sort. So I actually went through the process of trademarking um, Tribe across Canada. At the time, we were the first trademark. Um, doing the name change, I just, for fun, <laughs> searched the uh, trademark database. And there's actually 10 other studios in Canada um, that have trademarked the word Tribe. So at, at the time, you know, it really meant it was that idea of community. It was original, at least original to us um, in moving away from that word after understanding um, the hurt on many levels that no longer served us. So back in June, your business made a public announcement on its social media feeds that it was going to be changing its name from Tribe. 
And I'd like to just quote a little bit of what you wrote there. You said, as communities around the world have come together to stand up against racism, we've taken the time to reflect on our own community. We have learned a better understanding of the history tied to the word tribe, and we will create a new identity for our community that continues our efforts of inclusion without the hurtful association for Indigenous peoples. So um, I'm wondering if you can take us back to the spring when you were starting to receive some feedback about your company's name and tell us what led to the eventual announcement that you would be deciding to change it. So as we wrote in the post that you read, you know, there was this global awakening Um, through our community on Twitter. We became more aware, but also just through the general awakening in the world. we started to do reading personally, um, my husband and I, just in terms of what this word could mean, but not just typical, you know, Google searching. We started to dive a little deeper into um, different blogs written by Indigenous folks, um, various articles. So at the very beginning, it was easy to just, you know, put it in just like I did six years ago and see the definition of tribe is community and walk away. Mm-hmm. But then we became aware, thanks to our community and thanks to everything that was happening around the world, that, you know, what we were seeing on the surface level was not entirely the truth. And so in diving into some of the blogs um, and just reading more and more, I just no longer felt good about using that word. Um, We met with an Indigenous consultant, a diversity consultant, and they helped us understand that what we were doing was essentially taking a word that was hurtful. We shined the word up. This was their analogy. We shined the word up, you know, put on a fresh coat of paint, and then held this hurtful word up on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And it was that analogy plus the reading that really helped me to understand that we need to make this change. Mm -hmm. So if I'm hearing you and correct me if I've missed this, but it sounds like without this being your intention, the outcome was that there was, there was some sense that you were co-opting a word um, as a non-Indigenous person that really belonged to the Indigenous communities in Canada. Is that fair? That belonged to the Indigenous communities, but was hurtful to the Indigenous communities. Mm. So I think it's important to acknowledge that part as well, that it wasn't um, simply this word, but this meaning of hurt and you know, in both of those cases, that certainly wasn't ever our intention. Um, it was the connection to community, but a misunderstanding of what that community actually was. But for us, what it came down to was the fact that if somebody was saying that it was hurtful to them, then that was enough. That was all we needed. I'm curious about how quickly this all happened, because as you mentioned, there was sort of a a global awakening in light of many of the injustices that were just being um, sort of brought into the spotlight in a really major way against Black, Indigenous, and people of color across North America and around the world. But I believe this announcement came from you and your company on uh, June 19th. Um, was that a fairly quick uh, process? I mean, I, you had built this this business and you had built branding around it. And to 
make a decision to change that, I imagine would have been a difficult one, even if you decided it was the right one. What, what sort of timeline did that look like and how quickly did that all evolve? So the timeline was days, to be honest. Um, it happened very quickly. Like I said, we um, became aware of the hurtful nature of the the name and reached out to some of our partners in the community to get their support. And um, by some support, I mean, you know, it essentially the business is me. So I was like, how can I, you know, learn more? Who do you have in your contacts who I could talk to and that sort of thing, which is how we got connected with this diversity consultant. Um, And so, you know, in the time that it took to simply have a conversation, to do readings, to really, you know, educate ourselves, it became clear right at the beginning that we needed to make this change. So I'd you know, wasn't really sure how we were going to make the change, but I knew it was something that we had to do. So it was quite um, easy at that point to declare that a change was coming. The actual change itself, because again, we are a legit business. Um, we had to connect with our lawyers. We had to go through a, you know, naming and all the rebranding and all of that kind of stuff that comes with it. But I, you know, there was no question that we would make this change because we needed to for our community. Mm -hmm. So once you decided that needed to happen, of course, the next step, it sounds like, is you had to figure out what you were going to call yourselves. (laughs) And I (laughs) understand that there was a lot of, you know, being true to your, your love of community, there was a lot of community input around what your new name should be. So can you tell us what it was like trying to come up with the new name and then eventually how you landed on Cardia? Sure. So yes, our community was very helpful. Um, <laughs> can I put helpful in air quotes? No, they were they were very helpful. Um, in invested. Terms, yes, they were invested. Yes, they were very invested, uh, which is awesome. Um, but they can't, you know, the, the names that they were coming up with, well, certainly aligned with what we wanted, were also very, um, very generic. So things like community, things like unity, um, really common terms that would not, you know, work now in terms of a business. So they were certainly aligned with where we wanted to go. And those words were our starting points in terms of just creating this massive web of names. But we needed to keep going out a little wider and a little further to really find something that was unique. We again reached out to some of our uh, community partners just for ideas um, in terms of how they came up with their names. And so looking at some of the businesses that we work with um, and just getting advice on what they did. Uh, Some of the advice we had was to entirely make up a brand new word, you know, take take a common word and spell it in a unique way. Um, we didn't do either of those things, um, but those certainly helped us in terms of understanding that we needed to be thinking a whole lot bigger than we were um, and that our bigger than our community was thinking too. Mm-hmm. So ha- what the process looked like was a Word document where my husband was simply, you know, going through this thesaurus and just dumping words and dumping words and dumping words and starting off with community and looking at every word that was connected with community, looking at running, every single word that was connected with running, 
Um, so we had this pretty substantial list of potential names. By the end, we had over a hundred names in total. And finally this time, okay, so we did another 10, we put them in order, and we both came up with Cardia. And it was it was pretty close to the top for both of us. Mm-hmm. And then just sitting with it, um, sharing it with some of our with our family and other people in our community, people were excited for it. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what got us excited. So the word cardia is the Greek word, the origin word of cardio. Um, we did not change the spelling. The spelling is K-A-R-D-I-A. Um, when some people saw our names, they thought, oh, I love it. I love how you changed it. We're like, no, we, we can't, can't, can't take credit for that. That's actually how it's spelled. And so th- the workings of the heart, not just the physical aspect, which of course is cardio, but also the emotional aspect being love. So for us, it's tied into that connection of running. Um, It brought us back to our roots as a run crew, but also that idea of love and community, togetherness, belonging. So we really felt that this one word encompassed more of, of what we were and bringing us back to a little bit more of our origin. All right. So you've gone through this rebranding. You've got your new name. And of course, you're doing all of this in the middle of a pandemic when people really haven't been able to come together very much. And, you know, I think every company's gone through the hurdle of how do we do this online? How do we keep our community strong when we can't be together? So, in that spirit and thinking about where you've come from and now sort of where you're going with this new milestone, can you talk a bit about what your hopes are for the future of Cardia? in these really uncertain times uh, where community is more important than ever? So one of the things that we did, um, essentially we closed our doors on March 16th um, with a pandemic. And on March 17th, we moved everything online. So we looked at ways that we could continue to keep our community together while being apart. So not only through our workouts, uh, but also through social events, through different guest speakers. So we continue to offer these free gatherings that brought our community together, whether it was a wine tasting or um, just different professional speakers talking about sunscreen and that sort of thing. So different kind of healthy, but also fun conversations. So I think this online world, we saw that it wasn't maybe something that we would have gone into so readily by choice, but there's an opportunity for us to continue to connect with folks. Um, We've had, after moving online, clients return to us through the virtual classes and the virtual world from all over the world. So we have had clients who lived in Florida who are here for school, and they're now joining us daily online. We've had runners who are with us who are now in Tokyo and tune in every morning in Tokyo. One of our runners who um, is on the front lines in Italy, who has was joining our free workouts with his colleagues in the hospitals. So we've been able to connect and this community that, you know, kind of people move away and maybe they, because they can't be there in person, 
you know, just kind of move on to other things. But by being online, we've been able to continue to have our community together. So I think there's an opportunity. I know there's an opportunity for us to continue to build out what Cardia on the go looks like, which is going to be our online platform of workouts. So our community, whether they're in Vancouver, in Florida, in Tokyo, can continue to be a part of our community, wherever they are in the world. Here's Allison again, who you heard from earlier. I think Heather has been an incredible leader throughout the pandemic and like ensuring that our community has stayed connected online. She pivoted overnight. I witnessed it happening. It was a humbling thing to witness her do. And having Heather offer the programs digitally has made like getting back into running accessible, like one-on-one and then meeting up weekly to chat about how things are going. And I'm back up to running three times a week and figuring out what my goals are for next year. The fact that we're finally able to safely be together again is like really nice and beautiful and with our new name. And I'm just excited for us to start to return to a sense of normalcy and I'll spend time together and continue our next chapter of of our sweat family. Yeah, I just really wanted people to know that they were important and feel that they belong and, you know, to, to do that and to create that space through fitness, um, just to find the love of healthy, active living that I had from growing up and being active and, you know, physical activities, absolutely my passion and I love movement and being able to share that with other people and try and help them to find that love in their bodies as well. Big thanks to Heather and her members for sharing with us this week. You can learn more about Cardia and Cardia on the go by visiting the links in the write-up to this story on the podcast tab at runningmagazine.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ShakeOut Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any place that you get your digital content. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll chat again soon.